Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, good morning again. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first one, you can go listen to it at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. All right, uh, let's do a few headline updates before we get to our conversation with Justin Gibney this morning. Uh, Missionaries in Haiti, you have heard this story somewhere over the weekend, 17 people related to the Christian Aid Ministries organization which is an Ohio-based mission. Uh, 17 uh, individuals were kidnapped uh, on their way to visit an orphanage uh, in in Haiti. They were abducted near the capital of Port-au-Prince. Security experts uh, are telling us that the kidnapping was carried out by a gang known as 400 Mawozo, Um, The White House has confirmed that the FBI is working with U.S. diplomats uh, in Haiti to uh, locate and free these 17 individuals, 16 of whom are Americans and some of whom are children. You're going to hear, oh, well, this is of note as well. The people of Haiti took to the streets yesterday. They mounted a nationwide strike to protest not only these kidnappings, but a growing wave of kidnappings across the country. Uh, And so the Haitian people, I think we should know, recognize and appreciate their dependency um, on organizations like Christian Aid Ministries and and many, many others, uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that provide for many of the basic care concerns of the people of Haiti. Food, shelter, clothing, uh, medical attention, education, I mean, from housing to schools to uh, to medical aid to relief to the rebuilding of their communities and even the infrastructure, uh, it's all happening because Christians are there, um, in large measure, American Christians. And so uh, the people of Haiti recognize the risk they put themselves in when uh, these kinds of things happen, uh, because there will be there will be people who will now be afraid to go and help. And I recognize that. Um, I also recognize uh, you will hear some criticism today. I have heard it already. You know, these people ought to have known better this than uh, to, to, to go into that neighborhood. Um, you know, that's a no-go zone, blah, 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 blah. There's no go, there is no no-go zone for Christians. Let's just get right out there and say that. Uh, and, and while my, my heart goes out to the families of, of those who have been abducted, um, my prayers rise to God. And I recognize that God... Uh, uh, that God calls us as Christians into darkness and into dangerous places. And if we don't go, who's going to go? And so please don't be quick today to echo the um, that that spirit that's out there in relationship to why people would put themselves in harm's way to extend the reality of the gospel to more and more people. The only place the gospel needs to be extended is the places where it's really dark and really dangerous to go. Um, and Christians go. 
yes, yes, sometimes at risk of our own lives. I could totally recognize that. All right. uh, Turkey, the nation of Turkey has summoned 10 ambassadors to return Many of them from across NATO allied countries, including the United States of America. Why? Um, Because we and others have grown weary of the way that Turkey is essentially holding um, people hostage through its criminal justice system who disagree with the way Erdogan uh, is running the country. And so uh, there have been calls for the release of a particular individual uh, who Turkey has been holding essentially hostage in a corrupted legal process now um, for a number of years. And because the United States and other NATO allies have summoned Turkey, demanded that Turkey release this individual, Turkey has called 10 of its ambassadors home. Um, That is a devolving situation um, that's not likely to end well. Uh, So there's lots of things we could be talking about today, but let's get to our conversation with Justin Gibney. Uh, We're going to talk about the Amman Arbery trial moving forward. Uh, We're also going to reflect a little bit more on the life uh, and legacy of Colin Powell. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us again today is Justin Gibney. You can find him at the AND Campaign. Uh, you can also find him at the Church Politics Podcast, one of my favorites. Justin, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Remind remind people who have been paying attention to other things, um, who is Ahmad Arbery um, and what is happening in the uh, in the trial in relationship to those who took his life. Yes, Ahmad Arbery uh, was a young man who was jogging through a neighborhood uh, who was kind of chased down by uh, three people and, 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 and shot. Uh, and so right now, uh, those three people are on trial uh, for aggra- for murder, charges of murder, aggravated assault, uh, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. Uh, all this happened in February 23rd of uh, 2020. They've all pleaded not guilty and now uh, we see that uh, it's going through the jury selection process. All right. And officials in Brunswick, Georgia, um, held a town meeting to address security concerns ahead of the trial. What what, if anything, do you know about the security concerns that they have? Like is you know, what's going on? I think as far as I understand, people are just trying to be really cautious. I mean, this is a very obviously racially charged conversation. Uh, if you look at the nature of the incident, uh, it, you know, race seems to have played a factor in it. And and I think as this trial comes up, regardless of which way it comes down, there's a, a chance that people could react in, in a way that um, could put, put people in harm's way. And so I think folks are taking every precaution to make sure that doesn't happen. All right. And for people, um, Justin, who live in you know another part of the country, um, what do you know about Brunswick, Georgia? I mean, I think we're talking here about um, the the kind of Savannah region of the state of Georgia. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm in Atlanta. I don't know a whole lot about Brunswick. I do know that uh, when it comes to race, it's it's been an issue. Uh, I, I don't think that the race issues are just uh, something that happens in the South or places outside of Atlanta in the South. 
But the, but there's been some racially charged incidents, and this uh, incident with Ahmad Arbery certainly did not help. Uh, and so I, I think down there, there's just a lot of tension, uh, as there's been a lot, as there was a lot of tension in Minneapolis, and with the stuff that went up there. There's 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 people who are on edge, and really, Carmen, this is an opportunity I think for the church to come in, and and we want justice to be done for sure, but we also want to relieve some of this tension and and kind of see the. The, the way that we can come together as a community and, and make this as constructive as possible. All right, for all my Googlers out there, yes, I, I am there as well. I'm looking at the map. It's coastal, and it's way down there in the southeastern part of of Georgia. So um, just in terms of, you know, your targeted prayers, uh, I think that we can, we can pray geography prayers today uh, related to Brunswick, Georgia, and what's going on there. I think that as a nation, we are very, very interested in not only the outcome of this trial, but the way that we as Americans process through um, these concerns. Uh, the the racial challenges that we face have not gone away. It's not we are not quote unquote past this, um, and so we we've got to talk about it. We've got to do so in a way that's honest and. Um, and loving. And so, Justin, as always, thank you so much uh, for being a willing conversation partner. Let's talk about um, Colin Powell. We we talked about him a little bit in the first hour with a guest as well, but I just love for you to reflect on um, his life and legacy. Yeah, Colin Powell uh, obviously was the uh, first black sec- secretary of state. And for me, uh, someone that I always look, looked up to, uh, always carried himself with dignity, always he was a very professional uh, and someone that I think a lot of people in my community especially looked up to. Uh, a, a big loss for us, uh, definitely a time to kind of think of, over his legacy and all the things that he accomplished uh, for this country uh, in particular, but also for uh, that our community. All right, when we come back, we're going to um, talk with Justin about an opinion piece that's posted uh, at the Deseret News. Uh, Justin wrote it, and it's entitled, Uh, The black church can depolarize religious freedom. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Justin Gibney, he heads up the AND campaign. You can find them at andcampaign.org. He is one of the authors of Compassion and Conviction uh, and the campaign's guide to faithful the Ann Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. He is also a co-host of the Church Politics Podcast. Uh, Justin, you've, ha- you've got an opinion piece posted at Deseret. Uh, for those of you not familiar with it, Deseret is like, um, hmm, I don't know, D-E-S-E-R-E-T, Deseret News. Uh, I was going to say it's like desert, but it's not. Um, he has an opinion piece posted there, The Black Church Can Depolarize Religious Freedom. Um, what's your argument, Justin? Yeah, this actually comes from a um, a, a speech I gave at Notre Dame for the re- re- for their Religious Li- Liberty Summit uh, earlier this year. And the case that I make is this: uh, that religious liberty is important, uh, that it's something that we should be having a conversation about, but that it shouldn't happen just within the um, culture war conversation. That this the conversation about religious liberty actually would benefit if you had people who are outside of the the uh, culture war, namely minorities, uh, whether they be uh, black Christians, Muslims, or others, speak into this conversation in a different way. I think for too long, 
this conversation about religious liberty has been controlled kind of by the sensibilities and really the beefs that you see between uh, white conservatives and white progressives. It would benefit from having different inputs and different people talking about it because there's too much of an impasse and too much of a, a lack of trust between white progressives and white conservatives that other people might be able to come in and add some credibility to the conversation and kind of change uh, how, how we talk about religious liberty altogether. You know, over the course of the of the religious liberty conversation, just in the last handful of years, have you seen the conversation change? I think it's starting to change. Uh, you have people, um, again, minorities who are speaking into it in their own way, right? Not just kind of parroting what, what uh, progressives or uh, conservatives would have them say, but saying, hey, from a black church perspective, and one of the things that I talk about in the article is when you're talking about religious freedom— it's hard not to talk about what happened during slavery when a lot of slaves weren't even allowed to have religious experience. That's one of the biggest violations of religious uh, freedom that we've had in this country, but we don't often talk about it that way. And I, I think when we do and we take it out of the, the culture war conversation, we also take it out of a partisan or ideological uh, framework and we put it into a larger framework where people who may not have supported religious freedom might support it because it's being talked about differently and they don't have to take the, choose the same sides that they usually do. Okay, this is a totally random question. Is there any chance you're following the story at Yale Law School about the second-year student who posted an invitation to an event? I have not about that? followed that, actually. Okay, all right. Look it up. I'm gonna, I will send you, all right, I will send you something about that, and we can talk about it on a, uh, on, on, in a future conversation because there are, um, there are, points along the way in in that sort of unfolding narrative that you're the kind of person who, you know, I feel comfortable saying, okay, is this just totally my ignorance? Um, and so there you go. I have a, is this my total ignorance conversation that I want to have with you? So here's another one. Who is Dave Chappelle? And why is there um, a, apparently a great deal of tension related to something happening on Netflix? There you go. That's me yeah. saying, I don't know anything about this. Dave Chappelle is a comedian. Um, Dave Chappelle, for those who like him and don't like him, it's kind of hard not to say he's one of the greatest comedians alive, I think most would say. He recently had a Netflix special. And in fact, I think this might be his third special where he really came after cancel culture, uh, where he re really came after some. He's an African-American uh, comedian, by the way, too. But he really came after cancel culture and some of the transgender narratives uh, that we see. And, and to be honest, he did it in a very comedic, crude, I mean, harsh way. Um, but I, but I, I, and so he, he's come up under a lot of scrutiny for people saying that what he was trying to do was transphobic. Uh, I, I don't think it was necessarily transphobic. I certainly wouldn't say many of the things or say any Christians would say some of the things that he said, uh, use that language or, or, or come the way he did. But I think what this did raise was the conversation about kind of like triggers and comedy. I mean, we know that comedy is almost supposed to trigger us. It's supposed to mock some of the things we do, expose our hypocrisy. I think Chappelle does that in a lot of ways, uh, in, in ways, again, that I wouldn't necessarily do it. But there are some satiric truths there that I think people might need to hear. And it, it brings up a conversation. Are we really going to get to the point where we're censoring comedians? 
I don't think that's good for any society. And so while, you know, somebody might say, well, he went too far, I wouldn't say it that way. The conversation that he brings up in the discourse and not being afraid to be canceled is something that I think a lot of people um, actually value and appreciate. Yeah. I mean, if a comedian can't bring it up, like if we're at the stage where, I mean, you know, you and I talking about it on air in a conversation, which we have done in the past, we've had conversations about um, what's happening in the culture in relationship to transgenderism. Um, we've had we've had all kinds of conversations. You and I talk pretty freely about a number of things. Um, when we get to the place in the culture where comedians are not allowed to talk about something, then I think what we're doing is we're 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 saying you can't have the conversation. And when you get to the place in a culture where you say we can't even talk about that, um, you're not saying the issue has gone away. You're just saying we're going to press it down so far that uh, I, that's just. It's just bad. Like, that's just a bad place to go as a culture. Yeah, that, that's not where we want to be. Uh, we want to be able to have conversations. And not every conversation is going to make us feel good. Not every conversation we're going to agree with or be able to endorse. But I don't think that's what comedy is for. And interesting, interestingly enough, there are some issues that are hard to address without comedy. And so mm-hmm. I, I think we need to make sure that people have that art, that ability to have that artistic freedom and that artistic expression, which I think is is really important for any uh, society. Now, knowing me as well as you do, um, am I going to be offended by Dave Chappelle for different reasons? Probably. Okay. I don't know that anybody <laughs> left that would leave after watching that Netflix special, which you don't, you know, watch it if you want to, you know, I. It's this a, is not an endorsement. Ne- neither yeah, neither Justin nor I are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. But no, I don't think I anybody think... walks away from that unoffended. And I think that was his point. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Justin, um, do your parents, do your children have godparents? They do. Are you a godparent people? Okay. So um, I have another thing for you, too. This is homework. I just I love that uh, that I'm possibly reading things that you're not reading. So apparently the um, the the Catholic Church uh, is banning godparents in Sicily because, you know, it's a misunderstood term and people aren't doing it for the right reasons. So I'm guessing that in your family, godparents is a real thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a real thing. We we uh, like a real thing where you like expect those people to like actually godparent be parents who are representing God to your kids. Yeah, 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 for sure. I totally love that. I totally love that. All right. Um, as always, Justin Gibney, a total delight to talk with you. Love you as um, as a brother in Christ, but also I just I love the way you love your family so well. And so I just want to celebrate that in a public moment here as well. So um, you guys check out uh, what Justin is doing at And Campaign. You can also listen to the Church Politics Podcast, an excellent resource. And I think a good window into a conversation that you may not be having. Um, where you live, because you might not have friends like Justin has. All right, Justin, thank you, brother. Thank you, Carmen. Take care. Absolutely. We'll be right back. We should consider loss for just a moment. What's the last loss you've experienced in your life? I mean, we experience a really wide variety of losses over the course of our lives. Um, my guess is you've experienced a loss in the last year. Maybe you've experienced a traumatic loss in the last few months. Pausing to share our stories 
about loss and how we cope as fellow believers is one way of living into what the Bible describes as comforting one another with the comfort with which we have been comforted. And so whatever major loss you are dealing with right now or have dealt with in the past, whatever loss is currently sapping your joy or trapping you in what feels like a pit of fatigue and pain, this next conversation is going to encourage you. We're going to talk with a mom and a dad who understand the meaning of suffering and how they have found a purpose in the pain. We'll be right back. This is Max Lakato. We face the identical temptation that Mordecai and Esther faced as recorded in the book of Esther. Our society permits all beliefs except an exclusive one. The incontestable value of Western culture is tolerance. Ironically, the champions of tolerance are intolerant of a religion like Christianity that adheres to one Savior and one solution to the human problem. In such moments, God's message to us is clear. Remember your name. Friend, you are the presence of Jesus in this world. You are an eternal being destined for an eternal home, a citizen of heaven, secured by Christ for eternity. The devil can't touch you. The world can't possess you. What people think about you matters not one whit. You belong to your heavenly Father. You remember that. This is Max Lucado. Joining us now, Dwayne and Cindy Mullet. The book is From Pain to Purpose, the letter two, uh, the number two as a as a letter in there. So from pain to purpose, rediscovering joy after suffering a major loss. Dwayne and Cindy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you so much. Blessing to be here. So putting the number two in there matters because there are other books by this title. And so I just wanted to be sure people um, got that. Let's also tell them where to find you online. So what you guys are looking for is from P to P, from P to P. Use the number two in there, from P to P.com. That gets them there, right? That's correct. That's our website. Yeah. yeah. And that's yes. and that's where I went to watch some recent videos. And uh, and that's going to be what I'm going to really encourage people to do as well. So, um, Dwayne and Cindy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I think that the best way maybe for us to start is for you to simply tell a portion of your story um, as a as an entry point into why you wrote this book. So, um, assuming that the folks who are listening do not know you, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Yes. Yes. Well, we uh, travel as a family, church, going to churches and a large prison ministry focus. And uh, uh, our family, uh, we were married and uh, our first child, actually, we're on our first tour down in Columbia, South Carolina, going to prisons. And uh, it was, uh, Austin was five months old. And uh, we sang at a benefit on a Saturday night, and he was, Cindy noticed he was kind of listless, and then through the night, had a rough night, went to the uh, quick care the next morning, and diagnosed with an ear infection. We're headed for a church that evening, and Cindy was in the back with uh, Austin, and uh, the urgency in her voice saying, Dwayne, he's going limp. Uh, His lips seem to be turning blue. I turned around, and... uh, headed back. I was going back to that doctor, but realized that we didn't have time. Jumped out, called up the interstate and uh, took him in, called 911. 
and uh, then we transferred to a couple hospitals, but uh, he got on the ventilator and was uh, medication ventil and uh, me ventilator dependent. And uh, that was our first experience of, uh, of a, you know, something severe happening with our children. He was fine up to that point. Uh, but then Austin had to, needed to have a heart transplant. And uh, following that, he had uh, two kinds of cancers. And uh, then he had the second heart transplant. And following that, eight months after his second transplant, a uh, viral infection took his life in about 24 hours. And then our third child, second child was born. She was fine, no health issues. Our third child, when she was born, uh, two months after she was born, demonstrated the same heart condition and needed to have a heart transplant. Has had a lot of chemical sensitivities, uh, allergies and like that. Um, and uh, she's 22 today and she's doing well. She, her heart function is very good today. So had a lot of uh, faith challenges in our married life. Spent the first uh, two years of the first 10 years of our marriage as an inpatient in a hospital somewhere. Hmm. It's an extraordinary um, journey. And first of all, I want to thank you for the vulnerability of, of sharing it, because you guys certainly could have left the road um, and tended to your own um, in, hmm. you know, in, in, in a quiet uh, solitude. And instead you're, you're not only continuing to serve in ministry, um, but you're living before all of us in such a way as to say, here's our brokenness, here's the pain we've experienced, um, and here's the God we know. And mm. I would say that's the testimony of the book. Um, mm. And so I just wanted to thank you for it. Mm. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, it's, you know, we've seen the importance of people walking with us on our journey. And so our our desire is just to be able to give give hope to people who are struggling and because there's a lot of a lot of hurt. Jesus is there um, with us, and but we need people. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are comforting others with the comfort with which you have been comforted. That's one of the yes. um, one of the, one of the things that I definitely experience. The book is um, from pain to purpose. We are talking with Dwayne and Cindy Mullet. You can find them online, and you can find the book at their website. From P to P, that's the uh, the number in the middle of that, from P to P dot com. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you guys to respond to this question, because I, I feel like this is your question that you offer an answer to, but I also suspect it is the question you hear quite frequently. Where is God in my pain? Hmm. Yes, you know, we've had so many times of questioning that and, you know, saying, God, where are you? God, why have you allowed this? God, um, yeah. just just wrestling with all of that. And I just remember, you know, I used to have the mentality that if I was serving God, I was loving God, I was in his will, he's going to protect me from all bad things. And it it truly, like my faith was really shaken during all of this. Because what kind of a God is this who will not protect me if I'm serving him? And, but I just, you know, Jesus showed me in so many ways that he was there in our journey, in my journey with me, in just very supernatural ways. Yeah. Um, and I just briefly shared the one time I was praying, I was, I remember I was sitting outside on our front porch and I was just crying because 
I just got off the phone. The hospital had called and they said that the tumor they had removed in the front of Austin's gums was a very deadly cancer. And he was like six years old. He had just come through the first cancer as a five-year-old. He was finally able to start walking again. He had very intense chemotherapy that first round. And I knew that we're not going to have to tell him that another surgery is needed and that more therapy is needed. And I was just weeping and crying and saying, God, I have felt you, but God, how much can a six-year-old understand and grasp that grace? Can you please show me that you are there for Austin? And, you know, it was only about a week later that Austin came to me and he said, Mommy, he said, do you remember the time when I had cancer and my, my stomach was hurting so badly? Um, he said the one night, so Dwayne and I would take turns being in his room with him at night as he was trying to go to sleep and we'd rub his stomach and pray with him and comfort him. But he said, mommy, the one time I woke up during the night, my stomach was hurting so badly. And he said, all of a sudden I felt a hand on my stomach. And he said, I looked around the room, nobody was there, but the pain all went away. And, you know, that was my confirmation from God that he was saying, I am there for Austin. I will be there for Austin. And so just hanging on to those glimpses, you know, I think of the verse in Job, and I don't know exactly anymore the, the exact words, but something to the extent that I have heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And I truly, in my journey, like that's truly what God has shown me, that now I know who he is. I know he will be there. He won't necessarily always take the pain away, always prevent the suffering, but I know he will be there with me. He right. will walk my journey with me, no matter what the future might, might hold. Wow. We're talking with, um, thank you. First of all, Cindy, we're talking with Dwayne and Cindy Mullet. You can uh, find them uh, in the book we're talking about today from pain to purpose. You can find their ministry and their um, family videos and encouragement at from P2P.com. We'll be right back. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, We're talking with the Mullet family today. Um, you can find them online at from P2P, and that is the number two, from P2P. We're talking about the book, From Pain to Purpose, but we're also just talking about their life experience and the journey that they have walked and are walking um, with their kids. It's about moving from a place of grief into recovery. Uh, it is about building spiritual strength. Dwayne, I'm, um, I'm wondering, I mean, you guys are described as a singing family. And so uh, I'm wondering how from the first time that you and Cindy thought, you know what, we have a song to sing. We have something to share. Um, how have your life experiences along the way changed what you sing and how you sing? Yes, well, it has, uh, you know, I think about God called me early on to be to minister to the least of these. And I know when Cindy and I met, we were married, 
that was part of our conversation is ministering to the least of these. Very little did we know that God was going to take us to the point where we would become one of the least of these, you know, at a hospital, just reaching out, not knowing, you know, we were at the bottom. And as we experienced uh, God's people reaching out to us, uh, we were able to see life from a total different perspective. And so as we, uh, the, the song, and I love the songs that you've been bringing into the, the, the show here, uh, so powerful, uh, but, but the songs, when we were able to, um, you know, able to drop into our heart, into our life experiences, we saw a total different response from people, from the crowd, from the audience. And so, uh, yes, it, it gave us a song, gave us a song of hope. It gave us purpose. Uh, it just, it just, uh, yeah, the, our, our life backdrop, uh, uh, just brought greater meaning to our songs. And we just saw us connecting, uh, we saw so many tears in the audience as we were able to, as people, I think they were identifying with loss and with faith challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question that, um, <clears throat> that believers connect with not only the journey that you um, are on, um, but with the way in which you are on that journey. Um, there, you know, there's an honesty uh, in the way that you guys approach, you know, sharing about your family, not just in the book, but, you know, in the way that you're sharing online in videos in real time, like what's going on right now. So um, because I know you do that and because I know it's out there, um, talk about a little bit about life now. I feel like you guys are the strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine, 10,000 beside, and ongoing challenges, people. Uh, I would say, you know, well, what's happening right now today is we have not traveled uh, for the past, what, almost two years now because our daughter, well, we were exposed, we had black mold in the ductwork of our bus that we had, you know, recently completely gutted out and renovated, and it was our home away from home, and but because of this black mold, and especially with our daughter, Alicia, who's, you know, immunocompromised from the heart transplant, she became very, very sick. And so we have just been trying to get her better. And thankfully she has been getting better, but she's needed surgery, uh, removing mold from her sinus areas. And so she's still recovering and, and all of that. But um, so that's some of the current things that, that we are working, you know, walking in right now, but we have just, you know, some of the things that we've been wrestling with is how do you, grab hold of finding purpose in the midst of, you know, when things are, uh, you know, just, we thought we're going down this path and this is what where God called us, but then just that, that abrupt stop and okay, we need to um, find out, you know, God, what do you have for us? So that's why we've been trying to do more online uh, ministry things. And, but, but one of the things that I have, you know, I love that quote, uh, life isn't about surviving the storm, but it's learning to dance in the rain. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things that God has been doing recently for me in my journey. You know, so many times we have this concept of, you know, well, if we can just get through this event and then, you know, but God is saying, no, learn to make the most of what you're given today. Learn to be able to uh, use the weapon of rejoicing in every circumstance and find that joy in the midst of suffering. 
And I'm so thankful, you know, for our daughter, Alicia, that that is something that God is doing, truly doing in her heart. She is learning that, you know, you can have pain, you can have suffering, you can have sorrow, but you can have joy at the same time. And so that's, that's some of the more recent things that God has been doing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. God wants to enlarge our soul. It just, we become a different person when we come through a difficult time and, and there's an eternal purpose for us. God is for us. Uh, mm -hmm. There is an enemy that wants to destroy us, but through pain, uh, God wants to give us greater relationship with him. And when we come through that, you know, you have the painful event and then you have the uh, you just, you're, you're numb. Uh, there's just God's anesthesia, that numbness. And then there's the anger and then there's the why God questions. Then we come to a critical crossroad and at that crossroad, either we're going to become self-focused and self-centered, or we're going to say, mm -hmm. we're going to get good answers to those questions of God. Why do you allow this? And Randy Alcorn says a faith that can't be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. Yes. And so as we continue to ask those hard questions and find good answers for them, mm -hmm. God, God wants to have greater relationship with us. We, we have an eternal purpose and God, he, he will redeem every event in our lives yes. in some way. Yes. Yes. I also think of, you know, and we've struggled as Dwayne was saying with those why God questions. Uh, but another thing that God has shown me is instead of focusing so much on the whys, if we can focus on who, focus on who mm -hmm. rather than the, you know, on why, who God becomes, who is God to me during this time, uh, instead of just always focusing on God, why are you allowing it to happen? Yeah. One of the things that shines through um, about you and your family uh, is that you seem to have a sense uh, that, I mean, you seem to know the reality that these children, all of them, each of them, they're a sacred trust. They're not ours. I mean, they're, yes. they're, you know, like God is sharing them with us and sometimes only for a period of time or a season. And in the midst of that, You've been, um, you know, you've been so faithful not only to him, but to them to steward and shepherd their lives. And I just think that as, you know, as parents, you need to hear that, that 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 the way you are parenting your children in public before all of us um, is is a testimony in and of itself. It is a strengthening um, and it is a gift. And so I want to be sure that um, you hear us say thank you. Oh, yes. Praise, well, the Lord. praise God. Amen. Yeah, we, you know, I think when Austin came to that point of needing a transplant, we couldn't pray that he would, God would provide a heart mm -hmm. for him because that meant the life of another child. And mm -hmm. so we could just say, God, if someone in their time of loss, if they choose to be generous with you, then with us, then God will thank you for that. But God, if the eight months you've given him to us, if that's the amount of time that you have for him, God will thank you for the mm -hmm. uh, good things, the good memories, uh, the eight months that you've given to him, so him to us. So yes, uh, children are a gift from God. They belong mm -hmm. to God. God has eternal purpose for each one of their lives. You know, each of us, we're, we're building our lives around something and it can be, it can be good things, you know, like people and relationships. It can be jobs. It can be, uh, we can build our lives around positions and money and, but you know, as we so well know in the story of Job, all those things can just be taken away from us in a heartbeat. And mm -hmm. so it's like the, if when that happens, it's like the center of our life just completely drops out. Whereas if we are building our lives around Jesus Christ and we our relationship with him, that is something that can never be taken away. All these other things are added blessings, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but it's not like the center of our life, you know, is is gone. And Amen. so that's that's one of the things that 
you know, we've, and, and we're still on that journey, you know, when you've, Amen. after you lose one child, you just realize, oh, you know, and I've struggled with that. Wow. I could lose one of my other children. And I just, I know now how much more painful, you know, how painful that is. Hmm. And so just trusting God with that as well. Dwayne and Cindy Mullet, thank you so much um, for joining us this morning. The book is From Pain to Purpose, Rediscovering Joy After Suffering a Major Loss. Um, you can you can visit with them online and, uh, and access all kinds of resources from p2p.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, we're out of time for today, but I have so much more to say. So we're going to have to get back together right here tomorrow. There you go. That's the plan. Um, I hope that you uh, have been in the Word of God this morning. If not, please get into the Word before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Let's recognize that we are ambassadors of the King and a kingdom, and let us walk our faith out into the world in ways that honor Jesus. I'll be praying for you today. You be praying for me as well. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.